All right. We're live with none other than Binary Fate to discuss the binary fate of Monero. Uh, real name, Jeremy. I, I don't, I don't want to butcher the last name. I'll let you introduce yourself, Jeremy. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I, I don't think I need to say my last name because it's fairly easy to Google me already. Uh, I don't need to uh, add more to that. Um, oh, okay, we'll we'll change the title of the uh, of the video. I, don't <laughs> I can I can I can say it. So my name is Jeremy Dubois Lacoste in French or Dubois Lacoste as you would say it um, as an English speaker. And um, yeah, binary fate mostly online and uh, in the crypto space. So you're part of the core Monero team, is that correct? Yes, that is correct. What have you What have you done to actually contribute to Monero itself? I know you were, uh, I guess, part of the very early days of Monero, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. I. I think I, I don't remember the date exactly, but I found uh, Monero in its second or third week. Uh, on Bitcoin Talk, because at the time that's where the only discussion was taking place, um, Bitcoin Talk Forum. And I was looking for uh, coins that were CPU only mineable. Uh, and there was this bunch of new crypto node forks that were uh, perfect if you wanted to CPU mine, because there was no GPU miner at the time, and there was no EDIC. Um, and most of them, if not all of them, except for Monero, were just uh, scammy copycats of uh, Bytecoin, which was the original scam coin. Uh, but the technology was great. And then I uh, stumbled, stumbled upon Monero. Um, and I immediately saw that it was fairly uh, different, radically different from all the other uh, forks in that the community was like totally different and it was real, everything else was fake. So obviously it was easy to spot that something was really uh, different there. Um, and also it was, uh, it has been fairly launched. Um, so that was shortly after the original core team actually took over uh, by a sort of coup uh, and forked the project from uh, the original um, person that launched it, which was uh, thankful for today. Um, so they were starting to drive the things and there was around that very, very high quality community. And I decided to get involved uh, in the discussions and became passionate fairly quickly. I was anywhere in crypto and in Bitcoin since, uh, since two years uh, back then. So I, I knew enough to recognize that something had potential. And um, so I started here yeah, by just taking part in discussions and then I happened to launch some uh, Business and we decided to bet on Monero, so XMR two, which came which came afterwards and so on. But yeah, uh, so, the uh, the Elon Musk of Monero, the uh, the, ent <laughs> the entrepreneur of Monero. So you 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 essentially launched, I guess, the kind of the first right, the first application that utilized Monero. Is that fair to say, like XMR dot uh, TL? Mm. I think, yeah, I, I don't want to uh, to be rude to anyone else. So I'm, I'm really checking, but I think it was the first like real business that was clearly Monero oriented. Yeah, I believe so. So, so you kind of stumbled upon Monero. Were you already 
uh, so you were coming from the Bitcoin community. Why were you looking for other projects? Were you already kind of disillusioned with Bitcoin at that time? And that how were you already kind of frustrated by its non-private or non-fungible nature? Or did that come later? That came later. Um, and that's why I, I can forgive every maximalist nowadays, because in a way, I've been there before the term maximalist was actually uh, coined. Um, so I can I can sympathize with that sentiment. Um, yeah, I was in Bitcoin since a couple of years. Um, I became very quickly very passionate with Bitcoin, like a lot of, of people, you know, you just dig through the rabbit hole, and uh, um, it it did change my life fairly quickly. And and uh, you know, you you can see where I am today. Um, my life is totally different than what it was before. Um, and that's thanks to Monero nowadays, but originally it was also thanks to Bitcoin. So I was I was deep in crypto at the time already, um, and maybe not really aware of the Bitcoin deficiencies or not aware of their importance. I think technically speaking, I was I was very much on top of the fact that fungibility or the lack of fungibility was a big deal, um, especially because I was running a Bitcoin casino at the time, and the fact that customers could have their um, Bitcoin linked when they were selling them to Coinbase, for instance, uh, back to the history that was coming to uh, from a gambling platform. Um, it was in practice a big issue, but there was simply no alternative. So um, it was it was a pity in a way that, you know, we, we got Bitcoin introduced to the world without the privacy that would um, go along Ideally, but also it was very hard to question um, how to do how to do better because it didn't exist. And, and then um, the, the crypto note um, introduction was really a big deal because you know a lot of people didn't see that coming. Before that, we had no idea it was even possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What? What? Um, yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit too. Uh, so, what did you do in Bitcoin? You you started like the gambling. What was the gambling site there called? Uh, that was called Lucky Bit. Everything in Bitcoin is bit something, yeah, especially yeah. at the time. <laughs> and is that still around? That's not around anymore, right? No. Uh, I think the 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 page might still be online, but uh, it's barely functional for technical reasons. Uh, we just leave it online so the brand, you know, uh, keeps being alive because we're actually developing a, a new, completely different version that that would. Uh, uh, rely on the same branding. So, uh, okay. yeah, you can see the page, but I would not advise to play because it's not going to be very fun. It might take 10 minutes to show up or whatever. And was that before Satoshi Dice or is that like around the same time? That was um, just after. So, it was a similar principle as Satoshi Dice, which is an on chain, um, probably fair game. So, you send a, a transaction. Um, in order to bet, and later on you can verify that uh, the casino didn't cheat and that the result is is proper. Uh, but Satoshi Dice is totally um, abstract in the sense that you send a bet from your wallet and you receive your winnings, and that's it. There is nothing happening. There is nothing to see. Mm -hmm. There is no fun in a way, except um, that you wait for the result. And what we did was to um, add something that was actually happening in order to show the result of the bet. Um, 
and that was fairly similar to Minko, so we can discuss that later. But um, that basically killed Satoshi Dice because everyone suddenly realized that it was simply more fun. You know, if you go to a casino, um, if you can see what's going on around you, it's more fun than if you are um, blindfolded. So um, Satoshi Dice was the first, it was uh, the, the largest one at the time and then basically we we took that market and uh, in 2014 we had i think i believe on average five percent of the bitcoin transactions worldwide that were to or from that service oh wow wait what was the percent five percent oh wow uh, yeah if you look at the the list of uh, bitcoin addresses with the most transactions ever the, the first two are satoshi dice and the third one is uh, lucky bit um and i don't think it will be ever uh, beaten by anyone simply because you know the on-chain principles uh, on Bitcoin is not very workable anymore. That's incredible. Uh, I think you've, that we're seeing that now with uh, Monero with Minko, right? I mean, the, uh, the transaction volume has recently <laughs> skyrocketed. It did, and weirdly at the same time as uh, we launched Minko. <laughs> um, I don't want to give specific numbers, but yeah, that's uh, to, a, to a big part. Uh, that's just players enjoying uh, what they can do with their money at the moment. Yeah, it's a, it's a great use case. Um, so, yeah, so why did it take so long to launch something like Minko for Monero? Why didn't that happen earlier? Um, obviously, Monero, I, I think, being a more ideal fit for something like this, is it just it wasn't ready? Uh, to some extent, yes, you know, the, the, I would not label things as ready or not, but you have to, uh, to ponder whether a business would be successful, what are the technical constraints and so on. And I think it would have incurred too much, um, cost in terms of scalability before bulletproof. Uh, so before bulletproof, the average transactions would have been about, uh, if I remember well, like 13 or 14. Uh, kilobytes with simply just two outputs and you know when you play Minko you can just send one output per bet instead of uh, one transaction per bet so you save on your transaction so it would be even larger and nowadays uh, we are down to uh, two kilobytes mm -hmm. so that's that's quite a big deal also in terms of verification time and you can see that by um, all the comments of people that are saying that despite the spike in number of transactions they have absolutely no issue running their nodes even of uh, on a fairly um old and crappy hardware and you think that's because of the the architecture of of monero is it is it have anything to do with the dynamic block size as well or it's really just with bulletproofs things are more efficient these days um the verification time is faster with bulletproof i i, I think we could still run the same service effectively uh, pre-bulletproof, but the cost with on, on the blockchain size uh, would be much larger. So, you know, it's also a cost that would be um, incurred by everyone else in the future. Um, and I doubt that it would be as attractive to anyone nowadays to have this sort of activity if the future cost would be that of uh, the pre-bulletproof era. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, yeah, Bulletproof improved the verification time a bit. Um, and we are not even close to, uh, um, to using the dynamic block size yet, you know, despite the, the spikes. It, yeah, have, have we seen dynamic block size in action yet? Has, has it come into play? Uh, 
Not that I recall, except in uh, 2014, because of um, uh, the famous attack, um, most likely from someone of the Bitcoin um, universe. Um, and basically, so the attack was, in order to perform the attack, they needed to have a block that was larger than, um, that they needed a specific number of transactions in the block. Uh, and in order to attain that number of transactions, they needed to spike the, the block size a bit. So they had to use this mechanism by spamming the blockchain for a while in order then to, uh, by the protocol rules, have the right to um, um, use a larger block in order to find the right number of transactions so that they could use their exploit. And since then, I don't believe that we've seen it. I don't, I don't think so. Certainly not on the... In a, in, a, in a continuous way. Are you kind of a, um, do you think dynamic block size is, is something, you know, a, a big attribute of, of, of Monero? Is it is it going to come into play? Is it an important part of its architecture? Um, do you have an opinion there? Is that something yeah, think, that attracted to you to Monero I, as well? I think it's, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's beautiful because, um, to a lot of people, you know, the attraction to Bitcoin, and especially, I think, for com computer scientists, is that you um, put in a protocol what was before that um, decided on a regular basis by humans. And you remove the need to have humans putting their hands in all these um, regular decisions. Uh, you just function by a set of rules. And you can see that Bitcoin is, for instance, adapting the difficulty for the proof of work um, mining algorithm every two weeks on average, it's defined by the number of blocks. But every two weeks, you basically, uh, by the Bitcoin protocol, look at how quickly you mined that number of blocks. And if it was um, shorter than two weeks, then you increase the difficulty and vice versa. And uh, this is beautiful because otherwise you would have to have humans every two weeks coming together and deciding, okay, guys, what's the next difficulty now? So Bitcoin went, you know, some way in, in that direction and in a way that is already quite fascinating, but there are still a lot of hard-coded decisions that when they turn out not to be ideal, which is probably the case with the Bitcoin block size, then you need people to uh, come together in order to update the, the rules that, would, that was hard-coded. Um, and the issue, of course, with Bitcoin is that nobody could, you know, agree and, and decide what um, was the, the best uh, direction moving forward. And I believe it's simply because there is no good direction. There are only less bad alternatives um, because it's a complex system. And, and if you get some gain in one domain, then you incur some cost in another. So you, you penalize scalability if you want larger blocks and so on. So it's only really discussing bad solutions and you're trying to, to find the, um, the best uh, or the, the less bad solution. And, and humans are very, uh, they tend to suck at that. You know, it's like uh, having shitty political debates. It's, it's just going nowhere. So by having this um, as much as possible to be embedded into the protocol as an algorithmic rules, I think makes Monero extremely powerful. Now, I don't want to be totally naive. And um, if you look at all the recent art forks, fairly often we actually adapt 
the controls for um, updating the block size. Uh, we did recently in order to avoid the so-called Big Bang attack. Um, we did also before when the with the bulletproof because the transaction size is changing and so on. So we are not we're not quite there yet, but I really like the intent. Mm -hmm. How about the um, the tail emission? What's your what's your take on that? Do you think that's something uh, that that's another very po positive attribute of, of Monero and a necessary uh, part of the architecture? Uh, yes, absolutely. And I don't think it's necessarily positive because it will be a positive. I think it's positive because it is different from Bitcoin and uh, because we have no idea how it will eventually um, turn out, you know, that what what's this market gonna look like in a uh, few decades when the Bitcoin block reward is falling to zero? Nobody knows. And I think having alternatives in general is good. And yes, I also tend to like the specific alternative that Monero is using. I think it makes sense. Um, and I dislike um, the, the blind trust that a lot of people are putting in the lack of telemission of Bitcoin. I think it's 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 akin to um, you know sending people to Mars with a, a booster for the return that would use a, a completely new type of engine that nobody ever bothered testing on planet Earth. That would be like a nonsense decision. It would be like, well, maybe we can include several engines. Maybe uh, if there is really no way to test it before, we, we can think of alternatives. Um, but this is not happening. A lot of people are just like building an entire ecosystem on, on this uh, very uh, fuzzy, vague promise that is going to and out okay at the end and i think if i had to intuitively judge which of the alternative between the bitcoin type of um just relying on the fee market and the tail emission of monero i think monero is in a much more secure bucket at least so when did you i know we talked about this a little bit so you, you transitioned from bitcoin to monero but when did you really become uh i don't know if, if I'm, i don't want to put words in your mouth but disillusioned with bitcoin uh <clears throat> i'm i think this was a continuous process and i would not say i'm disillusioned um i'm a bit disillusioned by how people in the space tend to think about it or um, what's the narrative that is being used or to see educated people that are having very, very simple and shortcut opinions from my perspective. Uh, that makes me a bit disillusioned. But the technology by itself, I think it provides, um, it's a wonderful, um, Trojan horse for regulators because you know a few years back they were all screaming uh, criminal money and so on but in the end once they were properly educated they liked the transparency a lot um, I think it was a good first mover um, I wish it was not um, promoted to people that are in oppressive countries for instance because yes, sure, you have the protection of a um, 
the, the, the fact that we can seize your assets, but in terms of physical safety and personal freedom, I think it's a, it's a dystopian um, wet dream. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really worried of how it's being pushed, you know, in, in countries where people might actually put themselves in danger using it. Mm -hmm. So is is the fate of of Monero binary? Is it is it all or nothing? Is it uh if if it works we succeed uh we go to the moon and if it doesn't it it fails it goes it goes to zero. Uh <laughs> um I think you would have to define moon because uh you know 5 years ago I would have I would have been amazed uh, if someone had told me what Monero is today. Um, I'm not even talking about the price, but just like the community that is around it, the ecosystem, the recognition. Um, this is this is Moon for old so, Moon. So so. Have we flipped that binary switch then? Are we, so it works? It's, it's I a think go? We, we, I think we flipped the, the, binary, the, the switch of, uh, of five years ago. Now I would not define Moon in the same way nowadays. So I think um, we are never there. Um, and realistically, we, we, we won't. I don't think that crypto in general is going to be embraced by everyone in the world um, or that there is be, there is any mass adoption coming in, in the next few years. I, I, I don't see that happening. Um, and with Monero, uh, neither. But it's a very, very important tool. And I think it's, uh, I don't know if we are here to stay because you never know. We might have a crazy bug or whatever. But in terms of um, everything else, the community, the principles, what we try to achieve, I think we already provided a lot. And I don't see that disappearing away. How about the, uh, the adage that if, if Bitcoin fails, they all fail, including Monero? I mean, uh, no, are, I you, are you a believer in that? No, I think, <laughs> I think that's a trading, um, that's a trader um statement what they mean by that is of course everything would crash but i long term i i no i don't buy the argument that it would kill the space okay the idea would the idea would be intact and everything that can implement that idea would still be around i agree with you uh i i like i think even fluffy uh, uh agrees or agrees with the the sentiment that if bitcoin fails they all fail though and i don't think for mature mm -hmm. i think his argument is uh um, then the, the faith in, in these digital assets themselves would fail. There'd be no way to kind of create digital gold. I mean, this is, but it's, it's kind of the ultimate argument, right? Cause then nobody could ever argue against Bitcoin and, and essentially beat Bitcoin if, if that's the argument. Yeah. And also I think it's, um, it's, um, um, it's a bit, it's too narrow of a view because it's consider considering that everyone is fairly uneducated and they're like, oh, there was a bug. It means we can never do it. Um, and no, that's that's not the case. You know, um, originally when Bitcoin appeared, uh, the only people that were like fascinated or interested by it were computer scientists um, or, or developers. And uh, simply because they could see that it, that in theory it was actually working. And then in practice, it was also working. That was beautiful. And if there was a catastrophic bug, everyone could know that the cause of Bitcoin failing was just that bug. Um, and thinking that 
you know, they would totally forget that and then just think we can't do it at all. I think it's, um, yeah, maybe the mass media would, uh, we could see that, that type of headline, but there would also be a lot of people, especially those that were interested by Bitcoin in the first place, by crypto in the first place, they would still be around because they would know the real cause and why it was uh, um, first a success and then a failure. And what can we fix afterward? Yeah, yeah. I don't think you take the genie out of the bottle. At the, you know, the genie's out of the bottle. Yeah. I think you put it back in at this point. Um, yep. People would continue to to push I'm forward. Just, just uh, <laughs> grabbing a second coffee, sorry. Okay, go for it. Um, yeah, I agree with you there. So one of the one of the major questions in Monero. So I, I see, you know, kind of two two big questions. We touched on one already. Uh, one I think is the scaling. You know, can Monero scale? Uh, obviously, we have things like dynamic block size that helps the chain itself scale. But um, kind of the weight of Monero, it's it's kind of very intensive. Um, so can it scale? And then the second big question that's always asked um, about Monero is this concept of perfectly binding and perfectly blinding. Uh, is, is that an issue for Monero? So to explain to the viewers um, that Monero, because it is perfectly uh, blinding, uh, it can't also be perfectly binding. So we, you, you, it, the chain can't be um audited in a way where everybody knows uh you know uh that there's only so many coins and coins aren't kind of secretly being printed essentially uh because of its perfectly blinding nature do you do you see that as um a, a legitimate criticism and something that monero will need to overcome will that just take time as we you know trust that Monero actually is uh, perfectly binding. We kind of earn that trust over time and seeing that it is working. How do you see that playing out? Um, so first, I think that uh, things are not as uh, binary as they are sometimes presented. So I don't think that you can say, for instance, that you can't audit the Monero uh, supply while you cannot eat the Bitcoin one. Um, it's simply that if you want to do that for Bitcoin, you have to rely on additions, right? Like the mathematical operation addition, and you just sum up all the block reward, and then you're happy because unless there is a bug in the implementation of your mathematical addition, then that means it's your uh, outstanding supply. Um, and in Monero, it's just the same thing, except that it's not an addition. Um, the mathematical, the math behind is a bit more complex, um, but it's just the same thing, you know? So there is no black and white um, in there. It's just a level of complexity for the mathematics and the implementation that uh, make makes some people uncomfortable while they seem to be okay with the addition. And I, I can, can give them that. Um, so I think it's it's not, um, I don't see it as a criticism, it's just what it is. And then um, if you are not okay with taking that risk, but when you use a certain system, then don't use it. That's as simple as that. Of course, we, you know, as, as a community and as money developers, we should try to do our best so that it's 
as solid as possible and we can audit everything, uh, both the theory and the code. Um, but in the end, you know, if people are not comfortable with that sort of underlying mechanism, then um, there's nothing we can do except moving to a different kind of um, mechanism to provide the, the privacy that we are currently getting from ring signatures, for instance. Um, and it's very possible that we move to something else in the future. It's just that I think right now there is no better alternative that would provide everything we need in Monero um, in a way that is acceptable by the project standards. So I mean, for instance, without a trusted setup, um, there is there is nothing right now that would cut it, but um, hopefully that that will come. And I think the, the strength of Monero is also that we are able to um, update the software, update the protocol, come together and actually agree. We're all mostly on the same page on where we want to go, and then how we actually get there um, is open to discussion. But um, if, if there are better tools that uh, become available, then I'm fairly confident that there will be consensus to move to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I always, I always uh, kind of see that as a, as a definitely an advantage that Monero has versus things like Bitcoin. Uh, we seem to be, as a community, open to evolving. Um, and yeah. we've proven that we do it. Um, so do you see the the perfectly binding versus being perfectly blinding thing holding us back at all? Is that, are, are there people uh, kind of uh, not trusting Monero at this stage? Do you see that as being an issue? Um, no, in practice, no, on Twitter a little bit. <laughs> and, um, but, I think it's only in very small circles that people are actually worried about that. Um, it also means that you have to be worried about um, storage of wealth. But if you just use Monero as a privacy tool, you know, um, sporadically, then uh, you should not really care about that. So yeah, I think I see that criticism for people that are maybe more vocal or, or more public than the average um, cryptocurrency user. But I don't see that as something that is hindering adoption of Monero at all. Mm -hmm. um, but so, yeah, so do you see Monero being a storage of wealth then? I mean, uh, I, I personally look at it as a better form of digital gold than Bitcoin because of its fung fungible attributes uh obviously you know you know bitcoin's claim to fame is that it's, it's capped at 21 million uh but we talked about you know for all the reasons we talked about with the, the tail emission actually may, may be serving a purpose and that it actually secures this digital gold uh but do you look at monero as potentially playing that role too as being a store of value as kind of acting as a digital gold, not just um a way of transferring uh you know anonymously yeah. Yeah, totally. I I don't oppose the the two. Like I I I see too many people on on forums and discussions that are opposing these two concepts um, of day-to-day um, -day currency versus uh, store value. And I think um, you know if we can achieve both, it's great. And that's ideally what you would like from a currency, right? So um, yeah, if we can have a currency that we can use uh, 
day by day, and that also offers something akin to gold nowadays, but in the digital realm. That's great, and I think, uh, yeah, so far Monero is ticking all the boxes. So, I mean, you and I obviously agree on these things. Um, <laughs> you know, Monero's digital gold, Monero's uh, digital cash. Um, any which way you look at it, it se that seems to be the case. So, what, what's, where's the disconnect here? Why, why is Monero sitting at um, whatever it is, 0 0.01 uh, Bitcoin? Um, you know, I personally don't mind. Gives me more time to kind of accumulate. Um, but what what is the disconnect? Is it is it just it's going to take time for people to realize the importance of fungibility, uh, or is there something else going on? Do you have any opinion there, or is it something you, you don't even really care about? Well, I I do care a lot about adoption and the education. I think they go hand in hand. Um, but you're not. To answer your question, just look at uh, coin market cap and everything that is above Monero. Um, you know how much of that rationally makes sense, or uh, how much of that is just vap vaporware, um, and a lot of stuff are holding up because they are actually vaporware. So it's super easy to uh, hold up at any crazy price because you 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 don't have anything yet to uh, that can be criticized or that can be broken. Um, so I think in general that, that the crypto space is a bit depressing if you if you are keen to see a match between the price of of, of projects or, or currency and the um, innovation that is going on behind them. And for Monero in particular, the discrepancy can be a bit depressing sometimes. But uh, I think if you just look at the rest of the space, it just makes sense. It's just that this space is, in a way, is bonkers. Um, that's what it is. I think it's a lot of uh, money grab and and people that are mostly in there for the you know get get rich quick um, greed, and uh, then you can't really expect to get them on board with arguments such as fungibility and rational arguments and so on. I think um, you know. You and I are sadly probably not as representative of the uh, crypto holders all over the world as we wish for. So, what gets us there? I mean, uh, everybody talks about you know this bear market kind of uh, shaking out uh, these speculators. Um, I don't know if it obviously it certainly hasn't achieved that yet um shaking out these speculators and everybody starting to realize the core values of what cryptocurrency is supposed to be um so i i do think there was a little bit of that and i'm 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 kind of surprised people aren't or maybe it's that is what's will start to happen now start to as they realize that realize wait a minute there's bitcoin and then there's Monero, because as they start to realize what these core features are, what this stuff's all supposed to be about. Um, so we haven't we haven't totally seen it yet, you know, with the with the bear market. Do you think it's just gonna have to be some kind of events that take place? Like what's gonna what's how how are people going to start to realize that if your if your digital currency isn't fungible, it's 
not a digital currency. It's not digital cash. Um, I can hear your frustration, by the way. And uh, <laughs> I think it's good if that uh, you know gives you energy to provide education. Um, but if it's just, um, it should not lead, lead you to uh, bitterness. Uh, I speak like in Star Wars, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it just, it, it takes a lot of time. And um, if we constantly expect things to get better or um, to get close to what we hold important in our personal perspectives, just in the next few months, um, because that should just make sense. And then when it doesn't, uh, you know, it, it it's a bit of a step back. Um, and I've seen that since many, many years. And it's just you have to accept that it takes a lot of time. Um, and I think education is, is getting there. There is a lot of people that were in crypto since a long time that are vocal um, in Bitcoin that you can see this. They always make an exception for Monero, except very few of them that are like, yeah, scam coin. <coughs> but, but these guys, or girls, um, yeah, they, they they get it. The masses uh, um, in crypto not yet, but uh, I think we need to uh, win them over with education, um, and not, for instance, with starting discussions by saying uh, you're delusional. Uh, I see that too often because anyway, you know, online debates and discussions are rarely as constructive as what you would do in real life. But if it's like if someone just wakes up. And you tell them, oh, you look trumpy today. You know, it's it's not the ideal start um, to to win them on on your side. So I think it's uh, it's uh, it's a matter of explaining them. Um, it's a matter of relating real life occurrences of lack of fungibility. So when something is traced, when someone is wrongly accused of something they didn't do, and so on, we should be very vigilant. And then always refer to the larger and broader concepts. And I think, um, yeah, over time, eventually that will uh, sink in. But that takes, sadly, it takes years, and it will still take years. So we should keep it up. Yeah, I personally, you know, I, th I think there's going to be some some events that take place that you know, uh, just like, kind of like the uh, the meme of uh, you know, not your keys, not your Bitcoin, and then as exchanges get hacked, people realize, wait a minute, I need to hold on to my keys, or you know, what we saw in Cyprus um, when there was you know uh, the government was basically garnishing uh, funds from people's savings accounts. And then there was a realization, oh, wait, you can't do that with Bitcoin. Uh, I kind of see maybe, maybe though, I don't know what the event or events will be, but I think that we'll start to see things where in Bitcoin, uh, where people will be like, wait a minute, that, that, that seems like a flaw. Uh, the fact that it's, you know, it's not fungible, that coins can be blacklisted, um, things can be traced. Um, I don't know what those events will be, but I think that maybe, that that might be what kind of helps push people towards you know realizing uh, the importance of something like Monero. Yes, um, absolutely. I think you you know you you typically you change your opinion either because you are taught something or because you know your experience teach you a lesson. Um, and until people are facing these type of issues themselves or 
that they read about it and they learn about it in a way that is convincing and clear enough, uh, they won't change their minds. But uh, I'm afraid that these events, um, they occur you know, more and more often, and they are not the type of overnight um, big event that would suddenly convince everyone. Sadly, I think it's, it's just a continuous process. So then how about the other big question, the, uh, the scaling? What's, uh, what's your take on the scaling? I mean, that's always uh, you know, the other large criticism of Monero. Monero can't scale. What's your reaction to that? Well, that's bullshit. Just uh, use Monero today. And <laughs> I mean, the answer is there. So uh, I find that very um, I don't know. It just sounds very stupid to claim that something cannot happen and it's just happening. And I mean, then define scaling. But at least nowadays, it works perfectly. I think it's just that it works differently from Bitcoin. So a lot of people um, are used, for instance, to uh, concept of a UTXO set, so the the set of unspent transaction outputs that you can um, uh, keep track of over time. Um, and in Bitcoin, it doesn't necessarily grow on forever, even if it tends to do so, but not like Monero. And in Monero, because for privacy reason, you never know if an output is actually spent or not. You can't trim that set. Um, and that's fundamentally different from how Bitcoin is working. Um, but I don't know. That, that doesn't mean that you should take a shortcut and, and define scalability as we should be able to trim the UTXO set. I don't know. Who decided that it was, you know, the, the how you would actually define the term scalable or not? Uh, because Monero is working perfectly. I think, um, in in my opinion, it's working better nowadays on nowadays hardware than it was uh, a few years back. Mostly because of the older improvements, but also because the the progress with the hardware and the the, the cost to uh, get um, hard drives and, and so on is just going down. I'm pretty sure if you measure the cost to run a Monero node on a, on a standard hardware, it would go down. And um, we should plot that. That would be interesting. So yeah, I'm, I'm not really, no, I have absolutely zero fear about the scalability of, of Monero. I also believe that um, these systems are also not purely technical, but also economic. And uh, if it becomes a bit more uh, expensive to run the money or not, then the transaction fees, I believe, will go up. That's how it should work. And if the cost is so low right now, it's because, in effect, the, the cost of running the node is very, very low. And do you see things like second layer solutions, like uh, Lightning Network playing a role in Monero as, as they do, as they intend on doing in Bitcoin? Yeah, I think I am. I'm, I'm excited about that, but certainly not as much as uh, a lot of people seem to be at the moment with Bitcoin. I don't think the Lightning Network is the panacea that is often uh, presented. I think it's, uh, it's a good alternative to um, layer one on-chain transaction. Um, so I, I yeah, I. I think we would only have advantages to have something like that in Monero. But I also very much praise the um, uh, dynamic block size, for instance. 
also just to accommodate the actual um, Lightning Network, if nothing else, because if you simply open and close channels, you still need a lot of on-chain transactions. And that's what people seem to forget even for Bitcoin in the original Lightning Network paper. Um, it's um, explained that you would need about 130 megabyte blocks in order to serve <clears throat> just a, a small size of the population with the Lightning Network. So uh, I don't remember the specific numbers, but it's something, it's, it's ridiculous. It's like if you want to um, um, onboard the population of US to the Lightning Network, uh, and if they were doing just like one channel per year, you would need like two or three centuries. I don't remember the numbers, but it's ridiculous. <coughs> Simply in order to open and close their channel. Then after that, they can use Lightning, um, which, you know, obviously is not workable. So it's uh, it's good. It's a nice alternative. It's a, it's, it's very interesting technological um, system, but it's not, you know, the the... It's not the end goal by itself, absolutely not. So you you built XMR.to. Uh, you have Minko, which we'll we'll talk about. Um, are you thinking of other? Do you have other projects in mind for for Monero? Things that you think the ecosystem needs? Uh, yes but nothing that is really uh, advanced enough that I can go into details. Not that I want to hide stuff, but simply because it's it's uh, also still too undefined. But I'm, I'm quite interested to work um, with uh, multisigs, I think. Multisig in general is if you want to move an ecosystem or an industry towards something that's a bit more mature is very, very important. Um, and right now in Monero, we have the multisig technology, but very, very little, if if no uh, actual service relying on it or making use of it or leveraging, leveraging what you can do with it. I think there's a lot to do in that, uh, in that direction, um, but nothing very, very concrete at the moment. Uh, obviously, so obviously Monero is evolving all the time, like you said. Um... Uh, even even uh, with these with these multi-sig things that we you know we're, we're working on, uh, not quite there yet. Um, but is is has Monero, you know, it's obviously work in progress. But have we achieved digital cash? Are we digital cash today? Uh, yeah. So I, I always hate labels. So sorry, but I, I need to define digital cash first. Uh, you know what. We are trying to uh, make a metaphor of uh, Monero being equivalent to digital cash. And what is digital cash right now? Uh, it would be something digital that would work as cash. And cash is fungible in that it is enforced by governments to be fungible. So that means if I um, if I give you uh, $10 and you give me back $10 next week, it doesn't need to be the actual same note. And I can't refuse if it's a different one. I'm forced by law to accept it. Um, and that's why the law is enforce enforcing the fungibility of it. So we, I, I can't say I don't like the serial number on it. I, I, I am legally obliged to take it. So that's what we as user of cash 
uh, get to know, it's a fungible system, not because you can't distinguish the actual notes and coins from one another, but because we are forced to live in a system where it is fungible and it's imposed on us. <coughs> now, if you move to the digital uh, realm, you need uh, at least a decentralized one. Um, there is nobody that can enforce that anymore. So you have to rely purely on technology to achieve the same thing. Um, and I think you never achieve, probably that's, that's a bold statement, but probably you never achieve perfect fungibility. I think you can try to achieve something that makes it really reasonably close to what we've been accustomed to with original cash. And I think Monero is for sure the best uh, contender to do that. Um, but um, we should not also just say, yes, we are digital cash because we have perfect fungibility. Because then we would forget that um, chain analytics company can also try to analyze stuff on Monero. We would forget that uh, ring size of 11 is not the panacea. We would forget that uh, you can st you still need to churn. You need to churn pro properly. You need to churn enough. So we are absolutely not um, using a system that I would call, yeah, it's digital cash, because that would mean it's perfectly fulfilling the principles in order to be digital cash. And I think it's going a very long way. It's probably the best we, we know um, we know of today. Um, but there is still a lot of work to do. And in, in some extent, um, it's an arms race. So we also need to learn um, about the different methods that can be used to uh, endanger the fungibility of Monero in order to then improve it. And I don't see that ending anytime soon. So yes, it's close to digital cash. Um, but if we don't do anything, it might not be in 20 years. So uh, we, we got to keep working on that. So it's a, it's a constant battle, but we seem to be, we're in the lead, uh, especially compared to things like Bitcoin, right? I mean, is, is Bitcoin digital cash? Do you think Bitcoin is you know, oh, using, no. the, using oh, the no. same definition? No, no, absolutely not. There is no attempt to uh, to obtain any sort of fungibility. Um, and then I think uh, you have the, the disaster of trying to layer on top of uh, transparent blockchain mechanisms that would uh, improve your personal privacy. <coughs> like the, the recent Wasabi wallet, I think does help with the privacy of uh, its users. But then they're wrongly um, conclude that it uh, provides fungibility and it does not. I think it's quite the opposite. If you use um, privacy enhancing mechanism and an observer could spot that you actually use that, if you don't have, fungi if you don't have fungibility, then it actually makes you suspicious or it makes you a target because um, it's clear that you use that uh, privacy enhancing mechanism and, and People might ask you, yeah, why why did you do so? So it's not providing fungibility. I think there's there's a big discrepancy between what it does and how it's being presented. So I, in general, I don't see any anything else that come close to Monero in terms of being digital cash as we just discussed and defined it, uh, simply because you need privacy by default. That was uh, so recently. I, I I tweeted and you had responded. I think I tweeted something like, um, 
you know, why is uh, Monero labeling itself as a privacy coin? Um, yeah. And then I think you said where, you know, Monero is not labeling itself, essentially, maybe others are labeling it as that. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. Is, is there anything we could do as a community? I mean, we seem to be feeding into this a little bit because there is this, you know, this this privacy coin meme, right? So there, there's there's coins and there's this, some of them are called privacy coins and Monero is one of them, uh, which I, I think is kind of uh, not the correct way of looking at it for all the things we're talking about, right? I think it should be about which thing is acting like digital cash uh, and, um whether that's Bitcoin or Monero, Monero's uh, seemingly doing that better right now. So should we try to move away from, from this branding as being a privacy coin and, you know, towards, Hey, we're, we're digital cash. Yeah. One of that, one of the features is the fact that we're, we're private by default. Um, but, but why, why are we label? Why, why are others labeling us as privacy coins? I mean, it, it's, it's kind of silly. It's like, calling cash privacy money we don't we don't call it privacy money it's it's money um yes. we're trying to be digital money so what what's going on there is that is, is that a problem is that something the monero community should kind of be working toward rebranding or trying to steer the the conversation there or do we just embrace the fact that we're being called a privacy coin um and go with it so i i think what happened is, is um, where we are today, it comes from the, the, the historical way of how it happened. And what happened is that a decentralized system such as Bitcoin was introduced without any privacy consideration. And that's our curse nowadays. Um, and I think if you if you consider what we were used to uh, before Bitcoin, like just ten years ago, you know, if you were using cash or even the financial system by doing uh, interbank transfers, uh, receiving your salary and then sending money to your friends um, or, or businesses and so on, we had a um, fairly good um, privacy. You know, of course, law enforcement could step in and say, "Well, what are you doing with your bank account?" But with, with respect to one another, you know, with your neighbors, with your friends, with your employer, there was fairly good, if not perfect privacy because um, we couldn't see what was going on on each other bank account. And then we could also use cash and so on. So that was the baseline that we knew before Bitcoin. Then Bitcoin arrived um, and that was a huge step backward because it's so transparent. And I think the issue is that it, it, it simply because it was the first one, it became the norm. And nowadays it's considered as the referential and people forget that that referential is itself really a huge step uh, backward with respect to what we knew before. So when then there is yet another step, Monero, that is a big improvement over Bitcoin in terms of providing privacy and fungibility, um, in my view, we are just getting back to what we knew before, except that we now have that in a way that is digital and censorship resistant and decentralized. But it's really trying to get back to the basics in terms of what we've been accustomed to use before. Uh, and that's something in between, which was Bitcoin, is just, uh, you know, it's just very crap. But the problem is that it's considered the norm nowadays. So Monero itself, instead of being seen as getting backed 
back to what is is just like fairly normal for everyone is seen as as going like super private or that the goal of monero is to go very private and therefore there might be suspicious uh motives behind it and so on um and i think it's just that we have the wrong referential bitcoin is the wrong referential if bitcoin was just a, a step backward so i think it's very important that we fight this narrative uh because it's it's constraining us it's a very narrow view um we are not trying to be something private over bitcoin we are trying to offer something that is fairly fundamental and that is fairly well accepted if you talk about the legacy world and not the crypto space which is just a, a, a currency that respects the privacy of its users um and uh, that offers fungibility so you don't have to worry about the history of everything that you're accepting um so i think it's very very important that we don't fall um for that narrative because it would be playing exactly you know as first every opponent of monero is trying to depict the the project and also everyone that is that doesn't necessarily think uh, bad of it but um is not really grasping the the fundamental objectives that we are trying to achieve so i think it's very necessary first step of education is to break that narrative and just say either like you that is digital cash or i tend to say it's simply a working currency it's a working functional decentralized currency period uh, bitcoin is not so um and and if you try to label that evolution from something that is not to something that is a working currency privacy coin yes of course it's reducing yeah i mean th this is uh, a big motivating factor to why i, I started the show just because I, I i wanted to help uh you know I, i'm a big believer in in privacy you know especially in the digital realm um but yeah i, th I think you know for all the, all the reasons all the things you're saying um Monero needs to focus on the fact that it's trying, like you said, trying to be a currency, just like Bitcoin is. And yeah. uh, it's doing it uh, in a way that's living up to uh, the true ideals of what our currency is. And that's what I kind of find uh, hypocritical with a lot of these Bitcoin um, maximalists who who are, you know, uh, preaching uh, crypto anarchist ideals and how uh, Bitcoin is this tool that that was uh, invented for those reasons and that that's why that's why Bitcoin is so great and uh, you know it's not just about becoming rich it's it's changing the world it's this this new uh, unconfiscatable censorship resistant money uh, but at the same time just glossing over the fact that it completely lacks fungibility and I I just I just that's that's what motivated me to, to you know to get on to get onto YouTube oh. to just kind of kind of fight that narrative because I just don't you know it, it, it's hard to swallow when you see these guys out there talking about how uh, this technology was invented for these reasons. Meanwhile, Bitcoin fundamentally lacks that attribute. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean that's. I think yeah, I, I we see from from. The people you describe, so all the like extreme Bitcoin maximalists, um, all those that make blank statements that are obviously wrong. Um, I think we see some extreme techno optimism um, that 
So what I mean is that, you know, you become so passionate about a certain technology that you forget the initial social challenges that you were trying to solve. And you also blind yourself to the new problems that you create by using that technology. Um, and that extreme techno-optimism of the Bitcoin maximalists, you can see that in how they are promoting usage of Bitcoin under oppressive regimes. I'm thinking of China, for instance, and I think it's it's outright dangerous to um, advise, um, you know, opponents in China to use such a system because it's just shooting themselves in the foot. Um, you can also see that in how the narrative is always that Bitcoin is not quite there yet in terms of privacy, but wait for X or Y um, is going to help a lot. And I've seen that since years. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's a big problem. <laughs> I don't really know if uh, how much of that is um, is is uh, possible to avoid simply by the project being becoming larger and larger. So in a way, you know, the the Bitcoin ecosystem um, becomes more and more similar to what people were criticizing of the financial system before, for instance. In that, uh, it's it's we we see the same type of conservatism. Um, so I don't know how much is simply due to the scale of it and how much is due to the fact that we are dealing with projects that are trying to be money and there is a lot of money at stake and um, and because of the general boom of crypto, people make a lot of money. And I think it's just um, messing with the incentives and, to, and, and with the discussions that would otherwise probably be a bit more rational and level-headed. Do you, do you think it's it's almost a little irresponsible for uh, Bitcoin to be branding itself as this, um, you know, secure, uh, uncensorable, censorship-resistant money um, when, in fact, it's, you know, completely transparent and can usher in, uh, you know, a... I, I don't I don't want to sound too extreme, but I mean, there's kind of like dystopia, ver you know, potential here, right? I mean, we have everybody porting over to this this new money that could potentially be, you know, perfectly traced, right? So it's uh, not not only uh, do we know who your friends are on Facebook, um, but now we know every transaction you make. It's kind of the equivalent of of of, of knowing what people think and care about to the max, right? If you know what they're yeah. spending their money on. Um, so is it, is it slightly, cause it's sold as the opposite of that, right? As being um, this, this, this great savior uh, to, to these centralized systems, but uh, due to its transparent nature, do you see it there being kind of a, a potential, dystopia scenario is is it irresponsible to to pitch monero and sell i mean pitch bitcoin and sell bitcoin as as this um yeah i think it is great evolution I, and decentralization it is very irres irresponsible i think um <clears throat> we don't see much at least in in uh, democratic societies we don't see much yet of the downside of uh, using a system such as bitcoin if it was uh, really adopted. 
simply because there is not enough adoption yet. So um, a lot of people in their daily life actually don't interact that much with other Bitcoin users. It's just online for specific activities and maybe they show up in a, at a meetup and they buy something at the bar or at the restaurant. Um, but you don't get this, this uh, collapse of um, your privacy if you don't, if there is not enough Bitcoin users around you. And I think as you know, adoption is increasing and you start to have your neighbor using Bitcoin and you start to have your dentist using Bitcoin and your employers using Bitcoin and, and everyone's starting to know everything about each other and what donation you make to, uh, I don't know, support the animal cause or the fact that you go to um, um, a steakhouse and, and, and these guys would then fight and so on. So I think we, we don't see much of the drawback of Bitcoin simply because it's too early in terms of adoption, but it's also very easy to imagine what it would be like if there was more adoption. And I fully agree with you that it's irresponsible. And I think a lot of people are, not, are just not, not making the effort to just you know figure out, okay, what would society be like if everyone was using Bitcoin? And it would be a dystopian nightmare. So why are we still pushing it? Because we don't see the drawbacks yet, but they are also very easy to picture and very easy to imagine. Look, that just, yeah, that makes sense. We are going right there. That's not a good thing. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of uh, intellectual laziness there. There's a lot of vested interests too. Um, I think the worst kind is not people that say Bitcoin is not private enough, but we are getting there. It's people that say Bitcoin is just the right thing. It's just the right trade-off um, because we also need transparency. And I think these people, either they, uh, they work and they have self-interest in uh, chain analytics companies because that's their bread and butter, um, or they are just outright dangerous and we should really fight that. Like seriously, these, these people are pushing onto the world something that is extremely dangerous to free societies. Yeah, I think I think it's a little bit of a you know, oh, I think I think it's cognitive dissonance and and just also uh, intentional. Um, uh, you know, people are you know also aware of it and and just carrying the narrative because, like you said, they're 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 highly invested and um, it 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 hurts their bottom line to argue otherwise. So I think it's a little of both, uh, kind of denial of the truth mm. and uh, awareness of the truth, but. Uh, uh, avoiding it because they own a lot of Bitcoin. Um, yeah. So you want to you want to talk about uh, the gambling site a little bit? Sure. I think uh, <laughs> it, it came on the scene what a, a week ago, two weeks ago. Like we said, it uh, it, it's definitely being used because we're seeing uh, some increased volume. Um, what uh? What's next with it? How's it going? Is it living up to uh, what you thought it would be? Uh, well, I didn't really have um, specific expectations. Um, so we we launched it on the uh, Monero anniversary day, you know, the five-year uh, Monero birthday. So that was 18th of April. So it will be a month fairly soon. And uh, we decided to that all the profits of the first month will be donated to the 
Monero General Fund that is then administered by the core team. Um, so I will make a post probably on on the 18th or 19th, and uh, and then give numbers and you know tell everyone, okay, guys, this is the profit and this is the transaction ID of the donation. Uh, so you you will know more at at that time. Right now, I I can't really give any specific numbers. Um, I didn't expect that much success in terms of uh, user feedback, community feedback, and number of transactions but uh that that is beyond expectations yeah is there uh do you see it evolving any further beyond what it is yes um so this is a beta version we wanted also to gorge interest so um we will see where it goes in, in theory you know we could uh we could extend it we could add more games we could uh um yeah, make make it uh, a platform that people you know enjoy using. Enjoy there is a chat, so you can already go there, and and there is this uh, uh, trivia bot that um, regularly asks in the chat uh, Monero related questions. So I also see it as a way to educate people. So the more they hang out there and actually get to learn how to use a remote node, uh, run a full node. Um, all the three cases of, of Monero and so on. I think it's it's uh, it's good. So nothing really specific, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll uh, surely try to um, you know make make people um, happy with it. So um, we'll see what the suggestions are. Very cool. So I I know I know we talked about it offline. Um, thanks for sponsoring the. Uh, Monero New York City party that's happening during consensus <laughs> and uh, the uh, magical crypto conference, the uh, the speakeasy party. Uh, would have loved to have you there, but I guess uh, you're off uh, on your own adventures. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sad to miss that one, I must say. Um, I will be in US for the Monero uh, Confianco, Confianco in uh, Denver in June. Uh, but this time that was that was not feasible for me to uh, make the round trip. So yeah, I'm, I'm I'm jealous though for the party. <laughs> uh, for yeah, for those watching, binary fate is is actually a real person. I I met him in person in New York uh, a few months ago. So I know I know he appears to be an unbelievable super superhero that 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 <laughs> that that uh, is hard to believe actually exists. But he he is a real person. Um, and he's, uh, he's working his ass off for Monero, inventing, uh, amazing, amazing tools for us to use. And, um, uh, I'm, I'm glad to have you, uh, as part of the community, or I'm glad to be part of this community that you basically started. Um, you're doing great work, man. Uh, keep it oh, up. Thank you. And, uh, <laughs> thank you. thanks for being on the show. Thanks for uh, always being so genuine with the things you say. Uh, this was awesome. And I, I hope yeah. to uh, see you again in person. And obviously, thanks again for uh, the sponsorship for the party. We really appreciate cool. it. Hope, hope you'll have fun. And um, yeah, keep it up with the show. That's a great job. Thanks for having me. All right, man. Yeah, we have uh, Bitfoldal. He's going to jump on real uh, uh, real quick because he also sponsored the uh, Monero party. So we just wanted to have him on real quick to explain his uh, his product. All right.
Thank you, Jeremy. Hi guys. How's it going? How's it going, man? Jeremy, going? we'll talk to you later. All right? Yep. Yep. All right. Thank you. Sorry I intruded there earlier. No, no problem. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, thanks so, for having me on. Uh, better late than never, I guess. Um, yeah, I am Colin from Bill Fottle. I'm one of the founders of my brother, Brian. Um, and we create a stainless steel um, hardware wallet recovery seed backup device. Protects your uh, recovery seeds from uh, fire and flood, acts of God, that kind of thing. Maybe maybe even EMP blast if we're unlucky. Uh, yeah, and you can check us out at BillFottle.com. We're really excited about the Monero party and happy to sponsor. Yeah, thanks. It's going to be cool. We're going to give away, I think, like 10 of them. Um, you guys sent us those packages. Uh, how long you guys been around? How long has Bit, uh, BitFottle been around? <clears throat> BitFottle's been around for... Oh, I think it was a year in January. So I guess about a year and a half almost, something like that. Or maybe it's February, somewhere along in there. A little over a year anyway. So uh, yeah, we're doing that. And then we're also running uh, Unhashed Podcast as well with uh, Ruben Thompson over at the uh, Soul Bitcoin Meetup and then uh, Mario Gibney who works over Blockstream. So that's the other, other thing we're doing these days. And how, how exactly does it work? I haven't, I haven't tried one out yet. What is the... Uh... Oh. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's just uh, I mean, a 316 stainless. It's um, it's a little square piece of metal. I wish I had one on me. I don't have one here. I'm like I said, I'm in my car. I'm mobile right now. But um, yeah, it's just a stainless steel piece of metal, and then it comes with a a bunch of tiles that have different letters uh, on them, letters and numbers, and then you can recreate your recovery seed or your your private key if you want, um, and you just slide them in. So that way you can back it up in steel, but you don't have to tell us your recovery seed and trust us with it like some of the other companies do. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's uh, it's really, really very simple piece of product. If you want to come by and see it, we'll be at a magical crypto conference. We'll have a booth there and uh, we'll also be walking around consensus as patrons so you guys can come say hello to us. But, yeah, if you'll be at MCC uh, or at the Monero party, then then come say hi. We'll be there. All right. Cool, man. Yeah, we'll be giving a couple away. Um, it's, it sounds like a cool idea. I gotta, I gotta check it out. Um, I, I've, I've definitely not properly, uh, storing my, my private key on easily destructible paper. Um, yeah, you gotta get on that. My client loses a million dollars of coins in, uh, what was that hurricane in Houston that happened about a year, year and a half ago? I can't remember the name of it, but. Um, yeah, he had his uh, he had his coins backed up on paper in a fireproof safe six feet above the ground, but it got eight feet of water and it waterlogged his uh, his safe and he lost everything. That shit happens. Yeah, uh, Fl Fluffy's boating accident wouldn't have been as horrific with the uh, the Bill Foddle. No, no, it wouldn't have been. It wouldn't have been. You have to find it, <laughs> but uh, at least it would be there somewhere. All right, man. Cool. Yeah. So I look forward to uh, seeing you at the party. Thanks for uh, thanks for the sponsorship. Uh, we'll be giving those away. Cool. Um, it's gonna be awesome. Thank you. All right. See you there. All right. Thanks, guys. So long. Yep. See Have you. a good one. All right. I'm gonna close it out. Binary. You got anything? Uh, anything you wanna finish with, or you're good to go? Uh, no, I'm good to go. Enjoy, uh, enjoy next week. Have fun, All right. guys. All right, man. I'm gonna hit the down there. We're gonna, we're, anyway. we're gonna kill it. Kill the show. All, All right. right.
Thanks, buddy. Bye.